Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Robert Bowser. Dr. Bowser is an Associate Professor of Pathology and a Professor of Neurobiology in the School of Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Bowser, it's a pleasure to have you on Regenerative Medicine Today. Uh, thanks a lot, John, for the opportunity to be here. My pleasure. So your interest area is neurodegenerative diseases, and I believe the principal diseases that are a target of your research are ALS and Alzheimer's disease. Can you tell us a little bit about your interest and uh, the nature and status of your research? Sure. So as you mentioned, our lab works predominantly on, on degenerative diseases of the nervous system. So in this case, ALS and Alzheimer's disease. So with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, as it's more commonly known, it's a fatal neurodegenerative disease where specific types of neurons in the brain and spinal cord die. Onset can occur pretty much to anyone at any time. So almost anyone might come down with this disease. And I've seen patients as young as their late teens or as old as in their 90s come down with ALS. And in this disease, it typical early symptoms are tripping, slurred speech, weakness in a limb, and that can be caused by lots of different factors. And so even diagnosing the disease is somewhat tricky. It's all clinical. You're trying to rule out any other potential causes of the symptoms. And unfortunately, there isn't any great treatments for the disease. So in ALS, the typical course is two to five years from diagnosis to death. And so what my lab has been doing for the last number of years is sort of a multi-pronged approach to try to under, understand the mechanisms of the disease, trying to identify diagnostic factors for the disease, and then pathways that we can target therapeutically such that we can slow down or halt the progression of the disease, and then ultimately, can we add other factors, other types of cells into the system such that we can get a regenerative response and halt the progression of this disease. So... Maybe I'm jumping to the end. You shared you're looking at mechanisms, diagnostic techniques, and ways to slow down or halt the progression. But I gather from what you just said that the approach in terms of slowing down the progression are cell-based therapies? Well, that's one approach. And to date, those approaches, that is putting in stem cells into the nervous system for ALS, have not been successful. It's been tried in multiple clinics around the world and unfortunately has not been very successful. The problem is that you're putting in cells into essentially a hostile environment, that is an ongoing disease process. And since we don't have any drugs that effectively slow down the disease, you're putting in cells into an area in which a lot of cell death is occurring. And most likely, ultimately, those cells that are put in probably die too. And so I think ultimately the therapy will again, be a multi-pronged approach, that is, by, by adding in drugs that can slow mechanisms or halt mechanisms of the disease and sort of decrease the hostility of that environment so that if one wants to put in sort of a cell replacement therapy, those cells then have the chance to survive and the chance to try to initiate new connections in, and get a regenerative response. So what is the state of the art in terms of each of these areas? That is, an understanding the mechanisms, the diagnostic techniques, and therapeutic approaches. State of the art in these areas for mechanisms, a lot of labs look at sort of uh, animal models of the disease or cell-based models for the disease. 
my lab, we, we do work on cell-based models, not so much in some of the animal models for the disease. So we grow motor neurons, and then we can treat them with toxins and then try to protect them using different drugs and cocktails of drugs. We also work a lot with uh, patients with the disease and fluid samples and ultimately tissues from patients that have died from ALS and try to pin down what are the mechanisms that are causing this disease. Today we know some mechanisms, but we probably know less than what we like to admit with a disease like ALS. And so there's a lot of new discoveries on the horizon with respect to what's causing this particular disease. And so again, the state of the art is you know, cell-based approaches, animal models, and then the human samples. With respect to proteomics, my lab is well-known in the field using a number of high-end technology platforms to try to uncover biomarkers for the disease. So what I mean by biomarkers, biomarkers are essentially anything that you can measure in a person. It could be a blood sample, it could be a urine sample, it could be cerebral spinal fluid that we collect from patients. And then to ask what's different between somebody with ALS versus somebody with some other disease or healthy control. And so we gather samples from hundreds of patients and then use very high-end technologies to, to scour across all proteins and look for changes that occur. So I seem to recall that you are the director of an ALS tissue bank. This is what you just referred to in terms of collecting tissue specimens from individuals who have had the disease, and this is your data source for these screening scenarios you just introduced? It's one source, yes. So I do run a tissue banking program. There's approximately about 20 such tissue banks around the country that work with this particular disease, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. So we collect samples from patients that have recently died from this disease in sort of the tri-state area. And uh, we store those samples, we do a complete assessment of what exactly the person died from, and then we utilize them in our lab, plus we distribute them to labs around the country that are working in this disease. So we've been talking about ALS and Alzheimer's. From a, a lay perspective, is there a simple explanation of the principal differences between these two diseases? Well, that's a great question. Sort of the, the lay perspective essentially is both of them are caused by death of neurons, but they're distinguished by the locations in the brain in which the cells are dying. And so a lot of the basic mechanisms seem to be very common amongst ALS or uh, Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. But it's just where those cells are located that is sort of the root underlying cause for what symptoms the patient has and then ultimately what he or she is diagnosed with. And so really the lamest thing would be just, again, it's this, the location within the brain and or spinal cord where these neurons are dying. And so at this state of the development of treatments that are potentially applicable for one of these diseases is presumably applicable for the other? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's actually one of the hope amongst those working in these diseases, that is, that we can utilize one drug for other types of diseases. And I'm involved a lot. I actually started a biotech company here in Pittsburgh called Canop Neurosciences. Started based on some of our, our basic science discoveries for biomarkers that has sort of morphed into a therapeutics company and has been doing clinical trials in ALS with a drug that is actually a sort of a mirror image of a drug that's already FDA approved for Parkinson's disease. And so here again is a great example of drugs used for one disease that might be applicable to another.
So, Dr. Bowser, you've uh, mentioned the uh, clinical trial that the uh, NALP Neuroscience Group is conducting. Now, what's the status of that, please? Well, the status is that phase two of that trial is nearing the completion, and the data will be analyzed and actually publicly discussed for the first time at a large, the big international meeting for ALS, which is in early December. And so those results will be made public at that point in time. And if I recall correctly, a phase two clinical trial is a multi-center trial with um, many participants? That's exactly right. So it was a multi-clinic trial, a number of clinics around the country. There was um, over 100 patients enrolled with a placebo arm and then a couple of different doses of the drug. Sounds very interesting. We'll all look forward to hearing the results of that particular study. Are there other clinical trials that you contributed to or are participating in? Yes, we contribute and collaborate with other investigators working on clinical trials. So, for instance, one investigator out in Phoenix, Arizona, who is working on a drug or trying a drug that is already approved for Alzheimer's disease, and we're trying that in patients with ALS. And so that was a very small early phase study, And so my contribution to that study was actually trying to look at a couple of our protein biomarkers for ALS to see if the drug was having an effect on them. And so we collected samples from patients over the course of a year and asked those that received drug, was there a change in their biomarker profile over time? And if so, did that correlate with any change in their progression of the disease? Did it slow the disease progression or or hasten the disease progression? And could we identify that with respect to the dose of drug? And to make a long story short, we even in that time frame, in a small number of patients, there was only 20 patients, we did see an effect of the drug. And the patients that had the greatest decline in their rate of progression had the largest effect on the biomarkers. And so we're very anxious to move forward in a larger multi-center trial with that drug now and then see if we can use our biomarkers to identify patients that should be on the drug and then to monitor them over time. So it sounds like a lot of progress is being made on a number of fronts, which is uh, certainly very encouraging. Yeah, it's encouraging and, uh, you know, exciting for everyone in the field and obviously exciting to to be a participant in that. So if I were to ask you to uh, get your crystal ball out and say if we were having another discussion about this in five years, what would you envision to be the state of the art in terms of the understanding the mechanisms, the diagnostics, and the therapeutic approaches to these diseases? Well, I think diagnostics, there'll be at least one test available by that point in time within five years, hopefully one that we're helping to contribute to currently. With respect to drugs, There's only one current FDA-approved drug for ALS, and unfortunately, it doesn't work very well. So within the next five years, I think there'll probably be at least one additional drug that receives FDA approval and that that drug works much better than that currently on the market. And so I think the long-term hope then is once we identify not only, you know, one other drug, but probably two or three drugs that ultimately get approval, that then we can start to really think creatively about any type of cell-based therapy to be used in combination with those drugs. It sounds very promising, although, as you pointed out early in this discussion, for someone who contracts these diseases, the rate of progression is typically very rapid. Absolutely. And, and so we can't thank the current patients enough for all they're doing 
to help our work move forward, knowing all along that most likely any benefits won't be seen by them, but for the next generation of, of those patients that come down with a disease like ALS. So, Dr. Bowser, you have a very active research laboratory, and I know you have lots of trainees and postdoctoral students. Perhaps you could just share a little bit of insight into your interest and your commitment to training people to pursue these academic and scientific endeavors. Absolutely, John. Really, part of what we do here at the university is to train the next generation, training the next generation to take us even further than we ourselves can do. And so in my lab, we have PhD students, we have MD-PhD students. We currently have a trainee in an MD-PhD program from London, England, who's been in the lab now for about six months. And so there's an exchange of information even across the, the globe in that realm. Those are very fun interactions. I also, for a number of years, ran a, a graduate training program in pathology within my department. And as you know, I, I co-direct another training program that sort of crosses the bridges between the basic sciences, translational medicine, and regenerative medicine and bioengineering, co-directing a training program in cellular approaches to tissue engineering and regeneration with Dr. Alan Russell. Yes, I'm, I'm aware of that program, and I have to commend you for fine results that have been realized from it. So, Dr. Bowser, I appreciate you uh, joining us today and uh, sharing your insights in terms of your personal research and your broad perspective in terms of how we can diagnose and treat these neurodegenerative diseases. I should point out to our listeners that Dr. Bowser is a distinguished research scientist and not a clinician. And while he collaborates with many clinicians, he is not providing therapies directly to patients. We will post on the podcast website some links to Dr. Bowser's research site uh, so you can continue to uh, explore uh, his pioneering science if that's of interest to you. Uh, As we conclude this podcast, I'd like to remind you that we welcome suggestions in terms of topics to cover. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And again, as we conclude, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine, which sponsors these podcasts. Until we meet again in two weeks with another interesting interview, thank you for listening and best wishes.